0: You're listening to Two Guys Talking Wine with Michael Pincus and Andre Prue. Michael, Andre, uh, we are doing something we've never done before. This is sort of a um, as it happens breaking news edition of Two Guys Talking Wine.
1: I thought you were talking about your new uh, sweatshirt. There.
0: Yes, I've got a new sweatshirt with uh, my logo on it. What do you think? I think, I think when pigs will fly. I think when pigs will fly, too, people will hear more about that down the road. But anyways, um, we have a non-wine-related guest joining us to talk a little bit about the uh, Gerard Como case that is taking place in front of the Supreme Court right now.
1: Yeah, actually, it. uh, well, they've gone off to talk about it, I guess, is what they've done. But uh, nobody that I know of... uh, would sit there and listen to both sides of the argument. Cause that's, that's time consuming what they start at nine in the morning. I think they went till noon the first day and then whatever happened on the second day, uh, another half day that's just a long time and it's well and it's dry a, it's, it's dry, dry. i it's actually dry.
0: i actually tuned into the live feed on both days to hear some of the the arguments and um it is the, drier than a brute net. yes the the wednesday was tedious cuz it was the uh, attorneys on behalf of the provinces and it was pardon my language fucking dry oh god uh today was a little bit more interesting we're recording this on december 7th uh when the interveners that's a word that we're going to hear quite a bit about on this podcast, stood up and presented their arguments. Um, but I won't take away any thunder from our guests. Um,
1: yeah, let's just, you know what? Let's then we can go right in a lot of- Are they skating on the Rideau yet?
0: I don't know. I don't think it's cold enough yet. Oh. Um, but I thought that would be a good idea for us to defer to an, an expert because there is no ruling yet. But maybe we can break down what exactly has happened on the uh, Wednesday and Thursday of uh, this week. So, we are joined by Carissima Mathen. She is the Vice Dean of the Faculty of Law at the University of Ottawa and has a very interesting about page on her website. So, thank you for joining us, Carissima.
2: You're welcome. I did want to note that the uh, rink on Parliament Hill is just open today. Woohoo! So, there is skating to be had.
0: But not on the canal, not on the canal yet.
2: The canal's not frozen yet, no.
0: <laughs> so, I, I guess. Like I said, like I said when uh, a couple minutes ago we were just chatting uh, off the microphone, um, we just really want to get this dumbed down for us as to what was said and uh, dumb, dumb being the key word on for both of us. <laughs> for actually. both of us, definitely. <laughs> uh, so, what happened in the Supreme Court? Uh, I guess we'll start with yesterday.
2: Sure. So the way that the court um, divvy this, this up, which is which is a bit unusual, is that they have the appellant who is. Um, the basically the the Crown prosecutor for New Brunswick uh, argue make make their case, and then they had every single province except Manitoba and two of the territories intervened and that basically took the court up to lunch and I guess they decided to have the respondent, who is Como 's counsel, and all of the interveners supporting him argue this morning so it's rather unusual in that they split it up over two days and didn't actually take the whole two days but i think they did that because they knew that yesterday would be uh, a pretty a pretty heavy uh morning session and they didn't want como to you know have to get up after lunch when everyone's brain is fried
0: okay and what exactly was the argument put forward uh, or, or what was being said by the the province here So, um,
2: first, you know, it's interesting to note, like the background of this case is is pretty amazing in that Como was apparently the subject of an RCMP sting who noticed his New Brunswick license plate in um, a Quebec liquor uh, board, uh, uh, you know, retail uh, center and followed him back over the border and caught him that way. So he was he was found to be bringing. Uh, booze over the border, and he was charged under this New Brunswick Act, which makes it an offense for anyone to have um, to to exceed certain limits of alcohol that is not purchased from the New Brunswick Liquor Board. And so he was essentially charged, but given a ticket. I mean, this is just Uh a provincial offense. Uh And so in this very low-level court, he said this law is unconstitutional, and he won. He won on the basis that he... a, a a section of our constitution, section 121, says that uh, essentially goods shall be admitted free from one province to another, right? And so his argument is that this creates essentially an expectation of, quote, a common market or free trade among the provinces, and you can't have any sort of barriers to people being able to bring goods into provinces. And of course, anyone who's, you know, even got a little bit of uh, familiarity with Canada knows that provinces have all kinds of controls on the movement of agricultural goods. We have marketing boards, we have preferences, right? We have all kinds of things happening. And so this was a really big deal because if this New Brunswick law was, is held invalid, it could have tremendous impact for how provinces are able to regulate sort of goods flowing in and out of their borders.
0: And I mean, it's really interesting that this is happening in in Ottawa, and that was a man from New Brunswick who was caught in this sting. Because uh, I think you probably have people who cross the bridge into Gatineau to buy beer or or liquor or wine. All that I know, I know myself, I've done it, just looking for products from the SAQ um, that you can't get in Ontario. And it's sort of weird that, I mean, it's my understanding something that this is one of the first times, or probably the only time, that someone's been arrested for doing this. Over the border, uh, wine or or beer smuggling.
2: Well, that that's right. You raise a good point that you know many provinces may have these kinds of laws on the books around possession of uh, you know, even tobacco and and alcohol, but they're largely not enforced because it would take you know tremendous resources. I mean, you can just imagine having to have um, lay surveillance traps or whatever for people crossing into into you know Gatineau from from Ottawa and so forth, but there would be other laws that could be vulnerable that are much more explicit that, that deal with trade and, and uh, you know, put where provinces enact certain preferences, uh, where you're not talking about individuals being charged, but provinces just enacting certain controls. And so the concern by, um, you know, most of the, all of the provinces here is that there are a number of other laws that could be vulnerable if this challenge succeeds. So, you said that
1: all the provinces were there except for some territories and Manitoba.
2: That's that's correct. That Manitoba, Manitoba and Yukon did not appear.
1: Why would Manitoba not be there?
2: I, I don't know. I don't know why Manitoba chose not to appear. Uh, Manitoba's certainly been active in the past, and uh, you know, it's actually manufactured its own constitutional hearing uh, when it couldn't, in fact, get something heard that uh, had to do with Ontario and Quebec. So I did find that a little... A little strange, but it's completely in the discretion of each province to to uh, to seek leave to appear. And I guess for whatever reason, it decided it wasn't going to come out to play.
0: So I know each province had their own sort of piece to say here. But what was the core, uh, I guess, argument that they were making against having this um, constitutional challenge go through?
2: Yeah, so, this is, um, so people need to understand that this relates to a part of our Constitution that was enacted in 1867. We've just celebrated our 150th year, our sesquicentennial. And so this, this provision of the Constitution dates all the way back to that time. And there has been court, some court decisions on it. So we have had prior case law on it, uh, cases going all the way back to 1921. And in those cases, what the court said is, this law only uh, applies to what we could call tariffs, so actual customs like duties, mm-hmm. so if the province is actually sort of applying an additional tax or tariff to goods coming in from another province, the court has said that 's not really on the um, that 's not really on the, on uh, on the ball but if you have what are called non-tariff areas, so marketing preferences, other kinds of regulations and so forth, the issue has been, you know, does, does this section of the Constitution really relate to this? Obviously this section that Como was charged with, this is a, essentially an offense, right? It's kind of mm-hmm. it's like a provincial sort of crime. It doesn't have anything to do with imposing a tariff. And so that's one of the questions that came up. Should we just stick to this older case law, quite old now, Or does the changing nature of our country and our economy require that we have uh, a different approach to this section?
0: And obviously the provinces were standing up saying that they don't really want this to
2: change. That's right. They were saying, uh, you know, if, if, a, if a province enacts a law intending to discriminate against goods coming in from another province, so where its purpose is to offend the principles of this uh, section of, of the Constitution, we could say in general to offend the idea that we generally do have, you know, free flow of goods. Um, if they're acting, you know, in, in, out of some kind of bad faith or they, they don't, they want to impede that, Maybe then, you know, the law could be vulnerable, but provinces do all kinds of other things for other reasons, and the court really shouldn't be uh, striking down the laws just on the basis that they might be treating uh, goods differently depending on their origin.
1: Which then brings us, I guess, to Thursday, which is today. Um, So what was the argument uh, for Como's lawyers, and did anybody else get up uh, along with them?
2: Right, so so, um, Comer would be uh, defending the the lower court decision here, and essentially arguing that uh, the the this provision of the Constitution should be given, you know, a what he might call like a more progressive reading, like read it in light of current economic realities. And you had a number of interveners: Chamber of Commerce, um, uh, a, the Beer Brewers Association. Uh, you had. Federal Express, of all people, like lots of people who engage in, you know, cross-provincial trade, inter-provincial trade, as we call it, who were supporting this idea. We need to, you know, we 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 need to ensure that there is a freer flow of goods. Uh, And I would say that, you know, my sense was that the court was somewhat um, resistant to Como's arguments. They seemed to be more open to um, the arguments being made by Canada and the provinces, I would say that in the Supreme Court, when you have Canada and the provinces, which of course normally are sort of competitors, rivals in these kinds of issues, when you have them sort of really coming together and making speaking with one voice, um, that tends to have uh, a lot of impact on the Supreme Court, because the Supreme Court sees its primary role in these kinds of disputes as mediating between the provinces and the federal government. So when they are all on one side, the court, you know, sometimes tends to hold back.
0: So but, that's not good news for us as wine lovers. I mean, we're sitting here, we're all cheering for Mr. Como, and, I mean, I was sort of thinking of Stomping, Com- Stomping Tom Connors was still with us. He's the sort of guy they might write a song about.
2: <laughs> well, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see what they what they say about this particular section, section 121, you know, if they, if they think that it, it should be read in a, in a slightly more open way, it's important to note that even if they do, they may still insert other elements. They may construct a legal test that, you know, still provides provinces with a fair bit of room to uh, regulate the flow of, of various goods into their provinces or certainly to regulate the goods when they're in the province. So, you know, it may not be a zero-sum outcome uh, because, of course, the court is always free to interpret and they can interpret in ways that, you know, could hand Como a technical victory but maybe not open the door as wide as some of these interveners would like.
0: So I guess just to dumb it down for us a little bit more, this isn't the sort of case where it's a guilty-not-guilty. The justices could come out or the judges could come out and and throw a, a whole different... Ruling altogether, like saying that it's okay for people and not for governments or for corporations. I mean, what what are some potential outcomes we could be looking at here?
2: So that's a really good question because this is ultimately, um, you know, an appeal of whether the lower court judge was correct to rule that the New Brunswick law couldn't be applied. There is sort of a yes/no aspect to the court's decision. They're going to have to decide whether ultimately Gerard Como should. Uh, be able to be prosecuted for this offence or not. Like, is the actual New Brunswick law unconstitutional? But in doing that, they could certainly um, adopt an approach to Section 121, this quote-unquote common market provision, that is not nearly as expansive as people would like. Um, They, you know, they could... make it hard to, to prove that the province is violating the section of the Constitution. Alternatively, they could uh, rule against Como, um, And e- but even if they do that, they could rule against him on the facts and the history of this particular case and yet perhaps open up Section 121 so it wouldn't be a complete victory for the federal and provincial governments.
1: I, I was kind of surprised to find out the federal government was also... Uh, um Against, against this as well because I I thought uh, not too long ago they said uh, let the provinces deal with it as they want and I'm talking about you know liquor passing uh, especially from Ontario to British Columbia but uh, I I guess listening to you and that's why I've been kind of quiet I'm like listening and thinking why is Canada even against this I would see the provinces but why Canada would be
2: well because um, this. This provision of the Constitution applies to both the federal and provincial governments. So it's possible that in Canada, when it it regulates in in areas of what we call trade and commerce, which deals specifically with interprovincial trade, if if Section 121 is opened up, that could limit the federal government's ability to make the laws that it thinks are necessary if someone could come along and say, Well, you're actually violating the spirit of the common market. So they might be generally open to the idea of the free flow of goods say it from a policy level, but they may not be crazy about the idea that individuals can challenge their laws on the basis of Section 121.
1: So this is not, this is not just about booze, as much as Andre and I like to think, oh, it's all about us getting wine from you know, British Columbia easier, getting hopefully wine from California through the mail one day, it really has broader implications.
2: It has much broader implications. Yes, that's that's quite true. I mean, it, it has its implications are as broad as the kinds of goods that pass from one province to another and that people will bring from one province to another. It's it's certainly. I think the booze angle is um, is prevalent here because you think about the kinds of goods that provinces tend to want to control in some way, and of course, booze, tobacco. Um, you know, other uh, pharmaceuticals, for example, you can think of, of those and, and agricultural products. Those are really at the top of the list, but uh, it could potentially extend to all kinds of other things.
0: So how long does it take for us to get a ruling on something like this? When will we find out what the Supreme Court has decided?
2: The short answer is when the court decides to decides to uh, tell us um, I will say that this case is a little bit special because it's actually the final case presided over by Chief Justice Beverly McLaughlin, who is formally retiring next week. This is the last case that she has heard, and while she retires next week, um, there is a rule that says that she can continue to participate in decisions for a further six months. So, if the court and if she wants to um, have wants to participate, wants to have her participate in this decision, possibly even write it as it might be the last decision she ever writes, then we would expect a decision within six months. But there's absolutely there's no time limit. We don't really know. This is a complex case. There are lots of complex arguments. Um, but you know, I, I would expect uh, a ruling from the, from the court relatively soon And that that's in Supreme court terms, which is not the ordinary understanding. And so I wouldn't be surprised to see a ruling in six months. I, I would be surprised to see a ruling much faster than that.
0: Well, thank you very much for your time, Carissa. I really appreciate you, uh, dumbing this down for us and, uh, we're rooting for Mr. Cuomo, even though you've sort of burst our bubble a little bit with the strength of the <laughs>
2: well. The com- the, you know, the you can together. maybe soothe your your, hurts, your uh, disappointment with, uh, with some wine.
0: Yes, <laughs> but not from BC. Six months! <laughs> oh my God! Okay, perfect. Thank you very much, Carissima. Take care. Bye bye. Bye
1: bye.
0: Andre, that's crazy.
1: <laughs> that was uh, very very interesting. It's all very interesting, but it's crazy. We have to wait six months. They could drag their feet on that one. The other thing I, I, I was going to ask him, and I thought, no, I better not, because I, I don't, I don't want to be really disappointed. Could they drag their feet on this? Like, like they don't, they just don't want to rule on it. Well, I mean, it's like she
0: said, uh, we'd be looking at at six months, and it is a complex case. So I guess we'll both just have to sit on the uh, edge of our seat and uh, hope that this goes in our favor. I am going to have to drink more. I think so. All right, uh, I don't know if we're calling this uh, edition of Two Guys Talking Wine anything special, but it's sort of the uh, breaking news edition of Two Guys
1: Talking Wine? Yeah, I guess we're, we're breaking some news.
0: We're breaking something. Breaking glass. Breaking Anyways, things. subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, leave us a review. I'm Andre Prue
1: from AndreWineReview.ca. And I'm Michael Pingus from MichaelPingusWineReview.com. Thanks for listening, and God, I hope we can get some good boost from other provinces soon. Good night. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Two Guys Talking
0: Wine on iTunes.